everyone, and welcome into another edition of Coach Time on the Believe Network. I'm your host, John Lyons. We have a lot to get into this week's episode. First things first, though, we need to talk about the Mike Florio report that Bill Belichick reportedly shopped Mac Jones earlier this offseason. He did name a few teams, the Saints, the Commanders, the Raiders among them, and the Buccaneers as well. So it's four teams mentioned. And here's the thing about Bill Belichick shopping Mac Jones. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Because there's one reason above all that Mac Jones had a poor season last year, and that's the coaching situation he was put in by Bill Belichick. And look, Bill Belichick's the best coach of all time. I know it. You know it. We all know it. But he made a big mistake putting Matt Patricia and Joe Judge in charge of the Patriots offense. And therefore, that led to a lot of regression of not just Mac Jones, not just the offense, but the entire football team. They went from 10 and 7 to making the playoffs two years ago to 8 and 9 and missing them last year so look i think mac jones definitely deserves culpability for how he regressed this year but the biggest issue was the coaching staff and the pieces around him and and that is on bill more than anyone else so i think bill has to look in the mirror and think all right i messed this up like this is not mac's fault that this was messed up and it's only partly patrician judge's fault but it's bill put him in these positions But still, Patricia and Judge got to do a better job. And again, that doesn't excuse Mac. He didn't play well either. He threw three second-half interceptions against Baltimore. Their offense disappeared, and he didn't play well in the fourth quarter against Minnesota. Right, So he he did not play that well this year either. He had a lot of turnovers, fumbles, interceptions. So even go back to the strip sack in week one against Miami, which was a huge swing in that game. So Mac Jones didn't play well. But at the same time, he was put in a really bad position. Now, the issue I have with Mac Jones is if you're going to complain behind your coach's back to another coaching staff, first of all, that pisses me off. That's not cool, right? And that's just not that's not how you are because that makes your coach look bad, his assistant coaches, which are also your position coaches, look bad. It makes your teammates look bad. Your whole organization look bad. So for me, I don't like the fact that he did it anyway. And then the fact that it was Alabama when he knows – word is going to get back to the Patriots. Like to me, that's just being either stupid or it's being a baby, right? Like either, either one is bad. And and it's one of those things because I know deep down the motivation might be Mac wants to win. And and I believe that. And maybe that's the reason he initially thought of it, but it's your second year in the league. You've been around the block, not a lot, but a little bit enough to know, okay, well, I shouldn't be going behind my coaches backs to other coaching staffs to tell them how much, you know, our system sucks and see what, we can get, you know, to help out and to improve. So I don't like that. And then you couple that with the Mac Jones temper tantrum circuit that we saw on the sidelines and on national TV last year. It's just not a good look for a leader, like a guy that is supposed to be your leader. And the thing about Mac Jones is he was voted a captain last year. And even if you're not a captain, if you're the starting quarterback, you are a leader on a football team, whether you like it or not, you are. And when you go behind the coach's back, and you're blowing up on national television, it sets a low standard for everyone around you, which is unacceptable. So I understand why Belichick is frustrated with Mac, but I still don't think it makes sense to shop him around because A, most of this still goes back to Bill and Patricia and Judge and their fault for the offense last year. But also, what's the upgrade here? I mean, really, what is the upgrade available for Mac Jones? Are you going to get Lamar Jackson? If you really want a Lamar Jackson, should have done it by now. Is it going to be Aaron Rodgers? Well, if you really wanted Aaron Rodgers, you should have done it by now, especially because your offseason program and voluntary OTAs, they start before the draft. So if you really wanted an elite veteran to come in, 
You would want them before the draft so they can get going on the OTAs and learning your system. In addition to that, if it is a drafted guy, well, you can't get a top two pick because Carolina just traded up. They're not going to give it up. You probably don't have the ammo or you don't have the ammo really to get to number two. So what are you going to hope somebody falls to like not like Will Levis or Richardson falls to nine or 10 and you can trade up from 14 there? Maybe, but that's a risky proposition. And even those guys, and I'm not saying whether they're going to be good or bad. Those guys aren't coming in and being upgrades over Mac Jones, at least not for the first couple of years. So if you want to quote shop Mac Jones around, what I would just wonder is what's the upgrade. And if you can get a first round pick for Mac Jones and then you sign Lamar Jackson and you give up two first round picks yours this year or next, and you still have a first round pick. Okay. And you're still paying Lamar Jackson a lot of money, but I can get that. But again, why wouldn't you do it by now? These OTAs start before the draft. Like, why wouldn't you do it by now? Get this guy in there, get him learning your system. So, I thought the only real scenario that we would have seen Mac Jones traded anyway was if the Raiders hadn't signed Jimmy Garoppolo and then the Patriots could have traded Mac to the Raiders, maybe gotten a first round pick either this year, which of course the Raiders have a top 10 pick this year or in the future, and then sign Lamar Jackson to replace him there or traded for Aaron Rodgers to replace him from there. That's the only real viable scenario. And as soon as Jimmy Garoppolo went to the Raiders, I just don't think that's viable at all. So I think the story itself, like, do I think Belichick had some conversation like, hey, what's Mac's value? Yeah, but do I think he was calling them saying, I want to trade Mac Jones. I want to get rid of him. Here's the price. Can you meet it? I don't think that happened. I I just don't. I I don't think it makes a lot of sense for the Patriots financially. I don't think it makes a lot of sense for them at the position. Because again, where are you getting the upgrade, right? So I think there may have been conversations. I don't necessarily think Belichick called teams and said, Hey, I want to get rid of this guy or, Hey, I'm looking to trade Mac Jones. Here's the price. Can you match it? Right. I, I just don't think that happened. I don't think it got to that stage. And a lot of players are talked about in deals. Elite starting quarterbacks aren't like Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. Those guys aren't being talked about in deals, but most other players in the league, at least their value is gauged, you know, in a year to year basis. So again, I, I think it was, he was gauging some value because he was frustrated with Mac Jones but I don't think it got to the point where he was, okay, here's the price. Can you match it? And I don't think that would be a smart thing to do either, unless they have a way in their back pocket to get CJ Stroud and Lamar Jackson. And I know if you're listening to this, you're saying, well, no, they're not going to do that. I agree. So that's why I don't think it makes much sense to trade Mac Jones. So hopefully I don't have to talk about that again, because it's just, to me, it's like, yeah, I'm sure they're both pissed at each other and they're going to whine for a little bit and get over it. But I, I just, I think, Week one of the NFL season, we're going to see Bill Belichick and Mac Jones, both employed by the Patriots and both making big contributions. Mac Jones is starting quarterback. Bill Belichick is a head coach. I don't see anything changing from there. I also want to talk about the Bruins. And they clinched the President's Trophy on March 30th. And the President's Trophy has been an interesting thing over the last decade in the NHL because the 2013 Blackhawks won the President's Trophy, won the Stanley Cup, Since then, no President's Trophy winner has won it. And the thing about that Blackhawks team, that was in a lockout shortened season. So that wasn't even a full season. You have to go back even further to find a President's Trophy winner that actually won the Stanley Cup. Now, that would cause a lot of Bruins fans, myself included, some alarm because it's not like it doesn't make sense because you're like, well, you want to have home ice. It's like a weird curse type thing. But I think one of the reasons that it's tripped up a lot of teams, including that Blackhawks team. We have 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, and this year, right? That's 11 seasons total, okay? Since that Blackhawks team, the next 10, of those those teams, 
only two, excuse me, only three of them had more than three games left in their season or more than two games left in their season when they clinched the President's Trophy. So let's go through it. The 2013 Blackhawks, they win the President's Trophy with two games left. Remember, shortened season. They win the Cup, okay? The Bruins in 2014, they won it with one game left, lost in the second round. The Rangers in 2015 won it with two games left. They lost in the playoffs. The Capitals in 2016, they won it with seven games left, so they had a decent amount. They lost in the playoffs to the eventual Stanley Cup champion Pittsburgh Penguins. The 2017 Capitals, they won it with two games left, lost in the playoffs. The 2018 Predators won the President's Trophy with one game left. Here's the theme, right? They lost in the playoffs. The Lightning in 2019, now there's one that they had nine games left. They were challenging for the win and points record that year, had nine games left when they won the President's Trophy. They got swept in the first round by Columbus, right? Then you have the Bruins in 2020, which to me doesn't really count because of the bubble. They just de facto got the President's Trophy because the season was suspended. So technically they had zero games to go, all right? But again, that was because of the COVID. The Panthers in 2022 had one game left, and the Bruins in 2023 had seven games left in their season, which they are still finishing up right now. So as we can see, you look at all those teams from 2013 through 2023, only three of those teams had more than two games left, which was the 2016 Capitals and the 2019 Lightning. So most of these teams have gone into the playoffs, yes, with the President's Trophy, but they've also been banged up, right? Most of the teams in the NHL that have won the President's Trophy over the last decade have been pushing it to the end of the season. They've had fewer than two games left on their schedule and therefore have gone to the playoffs, yes, with the President's Trophy, but also not rested and not banged up. This Bruins team, when they won the President's Trophy on March 30th, they had seven games left. So they have time to rest guys, to ramp up for the playoffs, to get healthy. And I know you can point to the two teams in the last decade that had more than two games left in the Capitals in 2016 and the Lightning in 2019 as still losing in the playoffs. But I think this veteran group of the Bruins that has guys like Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci, and Brad Marchand, who have all won the Stanley Cup, other guys, including Charlie Coyle and Charlie McAvoy, who just a few years ago played in the Stanley Cup final in 2019, I think it's a group that has enough veteran leadership and enough sense that they won't get lazy during that seven-game stretch. They will use it to ramp themselves up for the playoffs while also getting some rest and staying healthy. So even though the President's Trophy has been a curse, I don't think it affects the Bruins as much this year because, like I said, in the last 10 years, only three teams who have won the President's Trophy have done it with more than two games left on their schedule. So most of these teams are going all out to the end and they're limping into the playoffs or at least a little bit banged up as opposed to a team like the Bruins now that can really rest, get healthy, and ramp up into the playoffs. So this is why the President's Trophy for the Bruins, I don't think is as much of a problem for them as maybe it is for other teams because they have that extra rest involved. Stick with us here. Just a quick word from our sponsors and then we'll be right back on Coach Time. Welcome back into Coach Time on the Believe Network. I'm your host, John Lyons. Thank you to our sponsors for that quick word. And what I want to get to now, the MLB season. It's been great with the pitch clock, hasn't it? It's been awesome. You look at the first four days of the Major League season in 2022 and 2023. Let's do a comparison. In the first four days of the 2022 Major League season, the average time of game was three hours and nine minutes. The league batting average was 230, and there was 29 stolen bases. Reminder, there's more than 29 teams. There was only 29 stolen bases the first four days of the last season. This year, in 2023, that time of game over the first four days, 
two hours and 38 minutes. We're talking 31 minutes less. What a huge adjustment. But even just as big an adjustment, the league average in 2023 over the first four days, 245. Stolen bases, 70 over the first four days. So we're talking about 31 minutes less of game time, 15 points higher league batting average, and 70 stolen bases instead of 29. Uh, what a massive, massive improvement in four days of baseball from 2022 to 2023. So I think, look, the new rules, will I'm sure they will be tweaked a little bit. They will be adjusted. They will be improved. But I think it's safe to say, so far, they've had a massively positive impact on the game. And I think crowds at baseball stadiums, I mean, I know some of the cold weather ones, we haven't seen as big crowds. But for the most part, crowds have been more into games. It's been livelier early in the season. Teams seem to be handling the new rules okay. right? We don't see teams losing games left and right because they don't know the new rules. They seem to be handling them okay. And I think baseball is in a much better spot because not only is the game more entertaining, it's now becoming more and more popular. And you couple these new rules with a lot of fun and exciting young stars. And I think baseball's in a really good place to set up for the future. And, and I felt with the young stars piece, baseball was in a great place over the last couple of years. And I think now that you add in the new rules, this is probably the best place as a game that baseball has been in in the last 20 years. And I'm excited to see it. It's been a lot of fun. Last thing, got just over a week or so until the NBA playoffs start. Not even, really. And last night, the Boston Celtics and Milwaukee Bucks essentially locked up their playoff positioning. Same thing with the Philadelphia 76ers. So those top three seeds are set. Boston, despite starting 21-5, and five, ends up with the two seed. And look, I've said this from the beginning. I've said this on this podcast. Yes, I wanted the Celtics to get a number one seed. Yes, I view it as a disappointment that they didn't get it. However... It's much more important to me that the Celtics go into the playoffs rested and healthy than going all out to get the number one seed and being banged up. And we saw last year, a Celtics team last year that was not as good as the one this year, they still were able to go into Milwaukee and win two road playoff games, including game six when Jason Tatum scored 46 points. They still could win game seven of the Easter Conference Finals in Miami on the road. So this is a team that, why they lost the NBA Finals last year had nothing to do with Homer Road. They lost the NBA Finals because they could not score enough points in the last five minutes of crunch time games. And they also had ran out of gas, especially Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Robert Williams, who was banged up. They ran out of gas collectively as a group and just didn't have anything left by the second half of that series against Golden State. So I don't think it had anything to do with home court. I would much rather... Robert Williams be fully healthy and rested and Jason Tatum be fully rested and healthy and Jalen Brown be fully rested and healthy as they go into the playoffs, then have to push it till the end, till the number one seed, have Tatum play a bunch of extra minutes, and then they're out of gas in June. I, I just think that's way more important. Well, that's it for now. Next week on the pod, we're going to have a very special guest. So stay tuned for who we're going to have on the podcast next week. It's someone you'll be familiar with that's a lot of fun to talk all kinds of sports with. So we will have a special guest next week. But until then, thank you as always for listening here on Coach Time on the Believe Network. I'm your host, John Lyons. Thanks again. Have a good one. 